Welcome to the Education Innovators Podcast. I'm Eric Byron, and it's an honor to host this show where we get to hear from talented educators who are willing to share their stories of the incredible things they are doing in learning environments all over the world. And you know how passionate I am about educational technology, right? And you are too. But I want to counter that with the more high tech we get in education, the more high touch we need to be. And what I mean, what I mean by that is if we're going to stand out from AI, if we're going to be better than AI, it's our humanity that will win. Wise words from Serena Sachs Mandel, the global chief technology officer for education for Microsoft. This is part two of my conversation with Serena. We resume the conversation as I'm asking her about Microsoft's commitment to teacher professional development around AI. Serena wants to change the world, and it seems she's in a position now where she can really have a significant impact on the future of education for millions, if not billions of students. How committed is Microsoft? To, to this track, to increasing AI literacy for teachers? And, and how effective has the strategy been? You put these materials out there. Are teachers taking it? Are they implementing things, using it? It's the most downloaded course ever. <laughs> okay. And we've just come out with a new one that I posted last night. I, re- I reposted last night. So there's another one. Uh, I think it's on uh, search. It's it's to help students and educators learn more about search. Uh, so we are absolutely committed. We have a whole edu, uh, a group of edu engineers and edu marketing. So there's a lot of resources globally focused on uh, generative AI and all of the platforms that Microsoft provides specifically for education. Uh, we have, if you're not that familiar with Microsoft, we have the learning accelerators that have been around for you know a long time now. Uh, my recollection is about eight years. And they they didn't even use generative AI then, but now we're infusing generative AI into them. So reading progress, for example, mm. reading progress helps develop reading fluency. It also helps non-English speakers learn English. So uh, in Taiwan, the whole country, and Malaysia, their whole country is using reading progress to help students learn English and which gives them you know that ability to play on the global scale uh, in the in the in the workplace we're super committed there are already educator tools out there to learn about AI and there are going to be more I'll also point you to uh, edu.ai which is uh, developed by code.org which is supported by both Google and Microsoft uh, and other sponsors good honestly Glad it was kind of fun. Don't tell my wife. It was fun to get back <laughs> into the Microsoft stuff. You know, years ago, I was a Microsoft trainer and an MCSE. And I remember all I that. had, I don't know, a dozen or more Microsoft certifications. So I was all in Microsoft for you know many years and really advanced my career <laughs> technology based on Microsoft uh, platforms and software. So anyway, um, I did want to also point out so, and I don't know if you knew this about me, but after I left Harcourt, I ended up at uh, Electronic Arts in the uh, game industry. Yeah, EA, I remember that. Yeah, and yeah, a number spent... of other people we knew were there. Uh, there were a few, yes, who uh, ended up there. 
um, well, between Disney and um, and Harcourt, there were there were a few uh, a bit of overlap, <laughs> yes, with uh, with EA, you know, in Orlando. But you guys have now Minecraft Education right. Edition. I love that. Uh, well, I'll admit, I play Minecraft. Um, I actually, if you look at my machine, you could see I, I still have the icon in the tray <laughs> for uh, um, for Minecraft. Um, and I encourage actually seniors like myself uh, to play mm-hmm. Minecraft. I think it's a great kind of hobby and very creative outlet uh, for for all of us to play, not just for kids. But anyway. Right. What I was wondering about was, so you guys, I think, have done a great job of kind of levering, leveraging that, a game that's not really created, right, produced for um, education purposes, but you've been able to uh, leverage it that way. And it's really, really good. I, I, I love the whole concept around games and education and the mix. But you guys just bought, right, you, the acquisition went through finally of Activision right, Blizzard. So I'm wondering on the education side, is this something you have your eye on? Are there um, are there other games now that are under Activision Blizzard that you could do something similar with? Um, is that on the radar? Have you had a chance to even consider that? So um, I had to say, even if I knew, I probably couldn't share. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come However, on. Nobody's listening, really. <laughs> Yeah, right. I'm sure people are. But uh, actually, so the whole Xbox and Minecraft is, they're part of Microsoft, but it's very separate than Microsoft Education. We do a lot with Minecraft for education, but less so the Xbox. And, And so the Activision Blizzard acquisition falls under Xbox. And that's truly a different vertical. Okay. So, so Minecraft for Education is excellent, and I can see that continuing. It's it's uh, loved all over the world and uh, leveraged in education. Uh, my oh, my stepdaughter uses it, and she loves it. She was she was showing me how to play because I'm not quite the gamer. <laughs> but um, even when I was CIO of Fulton County Schools, I always had a lot of uh, parents and and. Um, educators and board members that said, oh, we need to use more Minecraft for education in schools. So yeah, it's it's a great product. It's a great tool. Gamification is is a wonderful uh, approach to learning. Yeah. Well, you can imagine, uh, well, hopefully you get a chance to listen to some of the, the episodes I've recorded already because I have had a tendency. Well, I just, I know people in, you know, education, learning and uh, games, uh, learning games, I should say, so, but yeah. I do have a few episodes out there that focus on that specifically on learning games, uh, including one. I'll have to catch up. Yeah, yeah. A guy I worked with at EA, Andre Thomas, um, he went on after EA. Uh, he works at uh, Texas A&M and he does learning games there, but they produced a really like a triple A game that teaches calculus. Um, wow. Amazing, amazing stuff. Uh, they also have a game wow. that teaches art history. Anyway, I'm very interested in that space, and I, I no, hope that's cool. Microsoft does that's more cool. in that direction. All right. There's been an interesting thing in the news here this last week or so, so I thought I'd see if you had an impression or wanted to make a, a statement on one side or not of this one. So the American Federation of Teachers announced a partnership with the AI detection platform, uh, GPT-0. 
a lot of folks. I mean, just everybody kind of coming out of the woodwork on the AI for education side saying this was not such a great idea heading down the wrong path. Right. So can you comment? What What's your thoughts on this and how do we counter that kind of fear thing? And, yeah. you know, and the AI detectors don't work, right? Why would this, right. this group of right. teachers go after that? Um, I mean, what are your thoughts on this? What does it mean to us? Yeah, I agree with you that it's the wrong path. So when we think about the, like I said before, the path from fear to adoption, how do we harness the power of AI while mitigating the risks? Mm. So there are a lot of fears and anxieties. And I usually approach that with, well, let's understand those. Let's talk about what are we afraid of? And <clears throat> Generally, you know, one of the fears is cheating, which obviously this is trying to counter. So tell me something. When you and I went to college, we had to do research. I'm sure you had to do research for papers. I did. You go to the stacks in the library and go to some sources. Maybe they were secondary. Maybe we did primary research, right? And gather that information and write your paper, right? And then you had to you had to note your sources. You had to use a very specific format for your sources, right? Yep. So when your daughter went to college, was that the time that the internet already existed? Oh, yeah. And did she do research in hardcover books or the internet? <laughs> the internet, of course. Of course. And when the internet first came out, teachers were saying, oh, you're cheating. You're using the internet. Don't believe what you get on the internet. Where's your source? Where's the book? You know? I was faculty when Wikipedia first came out, and I remember the storm that that caused and people saying, oh, my right. God, you have students who are citing Wikipedia. You know, this is blasphemy. Right. How can you cite Wikipedia? How can you you know, turn in your paper with references that you found on Wikipedia? Of course, now we so you know. see where I'm going. Yeah. You oh, see exactly. where I'm going with this. Yeah. yeah. So. The, the, the fact is that educators need to change their pedagogy. So kind of like what I said earlier, we always have to be learning and coming up with new ways of doing things. Technology has always been a part of education, whether it was getting to a, you know, a, a whiteboard instead of a chalkboard. Like that is a form of technology, using an overhead projector that projected your computer instead of just a slide projector or document project. Like we're always leveraging things like that are new. And so when the calculator came out, well, we still wanted students to learn long division and memorize their multiplication tables. But when they're in 11th, 12th grade learning calculus, or advanced algebra, are you telling them that they still have to do long division and they still have to do all the, no. So it's the same thing. So you need the younger students earlier in, in process, earlier in their development. The educators can't just say, go write me a paper because if they use chat GPT, that's what's allowed. I mean, that's what's, that's what's available to them. So you can't right. really blame them. And you know this fear to adoption theme, your students well, I'd are using, even venture to say, good on them for using what's available. Using their tools. But, yeah. but some schools will expel them. I know. Some student schools are going to expel them for doing that. And I would argue with you, this is they're using the tools that are available to them. Yeah. So we have universities in Hong Kong that banned generative AI yeah. chat GPT. Well, and yeah. so they're, they're, they're softening up New York now. City, 
Yeah. Yeah. I worked very closely with New York City. In January, they very publicly banned, they they blocked chat GPT. And you can see this in the papers if you look back. And a few weeks ago, they now have it part of their classroom because Microsoft worked with them, helped them understand the concerns and mitigate them, stand up their own uh, protected version, bring their own data uh, for open AI on Azure. And now the students are actually using this as a tutor. And it's not giving them the answer, it's helping the students learn. Same thing with the calculator, right? So we need to help our students identify their hypotheses or their theses, identify their outline, identify their sources, start building up their paper. So you're going to have to help students learn the process. And once the, it's like division, then then they need to gather their sources using ChatGPT, using AI, yeah. and then use their higher order thinking skills to enhance it, to evaluate it, to make it better. Because if you just use the ChatGPT answer, you haven't learned anything yet. So let's go back to what's the purpose of school is to prepare students for the future. And if you don't allow them to use AI or you don't incorporate that into your teaching, are they going to be ready for the real world? which is going to be AI infused. Yeah. Well, and personal example. So recently I've been doing, you know, a lot more writing about, you know, ed tech stuff. And uh, I am involved in the ed tech month activities here in Hong Kong, a series of events there. And I needed to do some writing uh, for them. And yeah, I'm already, I, I realized I'm at the point already where I don't want to write without chat GPT. You know, I'm taking blocks of text from transcripts and throwing it at ChatGPT and just saying, you know, summarize this for me. I got an hour of audio, you know, transcribed here, and I'm trying yeah. to pull key points out. Um, you know, just give me a lift, right? It just saves time, right? And and yeah, I don't well, publish that as the answer, but it gets me, you know, quickly, um, you know, to some stuff to look for and go, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, that was an interesting point. And in some cases, they've surprised me and ChatGPT has come out with a you know a statement and I've gone, oh, I hadn't even really thought about that combination of things together means this, <laughs> right? Um, right. So it's, you go, it's okay, truly yeah. an assistant. It's yeah. truly a co-pilot. It's somebody that's working with you so you're, you're not alone. At some point, it's going to become irresponsible to not reference AI, to not get AI's opinion because yeah. why not? Like exactly. I know if I'd had the same, you know, set of medical circumstances now that I had before, I would have definitely gotten a second opinion on AI, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, the other thing that honestly I find really nice about it, I tend to be long winded, both spoken and in writing <laughs> and I can write something and then give it to chat GPT and say, all right, now take it down by 40%. And it does such a good job of taking my own words and just shortening them. <laughs> well, and the other thing you can do, and this is very important for education, is say, make this third grade reading level, make this 11th grade reading level, right? And it, so it can tailor a, an educator's work for the level of their student. Yeah. And it can check it. It can, you know, it can help you develop a syllabus. It can help you to, you know, review students' research papers or essays, but you don't want to only use that. It's just a start for the teacher, but it can it can really reduce the amount of sort of manual labor and allow teachers to focus more on the person instead of the process. Amen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> good. All right. Thank you for, uh, for 
supporting that uh, that whole thing. Yeah, we we really we want teachers to embrace this. Um, the Absolutely. kids are not are not afraid. Um, teachers need to not be afraid. Yeah. So yeah. It, All right. it, it's like learning to ski. You know, there's a reason like I wanted, I taught my kids how to ski when they were like three and six because their fear is less. Right. And it's hard to learn to ski as an adult because you have this natural level of fear. Yeah. I have fear just for my son who snowboards. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. He's a crazy man on the slopes. I, <laughs> anyway, um, we digress. All right. What is the coolest new ed tech innovation you've come across in the last 12 months? Not necessarily from Microsoft, just anything you've encountered in your travels and the folks that you've met. What's the coolest thing you've seen? Uh, so, I mean, cool is all relative. To me, uh, cool is something Impactful. that is going to really help students do better. And there's a um, an ed tech startup provider called go nurture and it it does use generative ai but it's using it in a really creative way so when a student turns in their work it asks them how confident they feel about it so it's getting into that social emotional without crossing a line into kind of creepy or psychoanalyst, right? Yeah. It's just saying, how did you feel about it? But then it allows the teacher to review the answer with that in mind. Sometimes students turn something in, they feel super confident and it isn't that good. So right. they can tailor their feedback to, well, maybe you should think about this and that. And sometimes students are not confident, but actually do a great job, right? And so you can tailor, and then it takes one step further. And like you were saying, no blank page. It actually helps craft the teacher's response to the student. Mm -hmm. So it, using generative AI, it helps read the paper, it helps take that into a consideration. And then just one more step, the student cannot see the grade on their paper until they read the feedback and say, how did I feel about this feedback? And what am I going to do about it? Mm. Oh, that's so cool. So it closes the loop on yeah. education in general, because the point of doing work is so that you learn from it, so that you progress. And so much of it is how you feel and the response that your teacher gives you. And teachers need to be more coaches and allies and supportive, not just, oh, you get this letter grade. I mean, that feels very stinging if it's not good and maybe too self-aggrandizing if it's high, right? Oh, I got an A, you know, like, right, no, right. there's always something you can learn. And to that end, and what's there's the name another, of that startup again? Go Nurture. Go Nurture. All right, I'm going to look that one up. Yeah. And then there's another one that I just met uh, this woman, uh, Nona, in New York City, and we had all this in common. We had a great conversation. We bonded, and she's creating a startup that, um, somewhat, somewhat just as useful, takes all of the data, all of the three, 360 degree information about students. And provides, it has a rubric for engagement. So it's kind of the holy grail of data for education is how engaged are students, right? It, we know engaged students learn more. And so it's, it's uh, leading indicators on how well the students are going to do. So you can address students at risk early on in the process. And, and so she's cracked the code on the rubric for engagement, which just so I'm curious developing on the that rubric. One. So 
does it also coach the teacher? Because engagement isn't always yeah. <laughs> the student, right? There's a lot of things that can be uh, stimulated in terms of engagement by the way the teacher interacts with students. In fact, we saw a presentation the other day from a guy from Stanford who was talking about that and a tool he had seen that specifically monitors a classroom and then provides feedback to the teacher on the engagement levels of the students and things they could do that would increase engagement. Right. So yes, it does. And it does, uh, it does both. so it's, it, okay. their symbol is an infinity loop because it, it's and it's also called lesson loop. So yes, it's absolutely for the educator to understand the engagement of the student and um, take action. So I put yeah. the two URLs in the chat. Right. Thank you. Awesome. All right. We're getting towards an hour here. So so there's one more thing I want to say, since Good. we've talked so much about technology and its importance in education, and you know how passionate I am about educational technology, right? And you are too. But I want to counter that with the more high tech we get in education, the more high touch we need to be. And what I mean, what I mean by that is... If we're going to stand out from AI, if we're going to be better than AI, it's our humanity that will win. It's our empathy, our connection, and our concerns. So it's the critical, it's all the six C's, you know, critical thinking. All of these things are what make us human. The AI is there to support, to help, to enable, to increase productivity, but it's our ability to develop relationships, to present ourselves, to overcome conflict. These are the human skills that our educators are deeply, deeply needed for in the classroom. So I believe the school of the future is going to look more like a collaborative workspace that's flexible and meeting the needs of each student, both collectively and also one-on-ones with the educator. But it's where we learn to leverage and develop and enhance our humanity, our emotional quotient, our interpersonal skills. And lessons, we have to learn the foundations, the skills, the knowledge, reading, writing, arithmetic. We need to learn those. But I believe those can be done more through master teachers whom we pay accordingly. And that can be delivered through a variety of methods, interactive programs, asynchronous, synchronous learning, so many ways we can deliver the actual learning through the best educators for each student. And then the in-person class time, I feel that the role of the teacher needs to evolve to be this person that connects with and elevates the student's own abilities. Yeah. Now, this is awesome. And so you were also CIO of the Florida Virtual Schools. So I love the way you just kind of framed that whole thing up. It was like you were reading some of my notes from the conference I just attended here in Hong Kong, because uh, this was exactly you know one of the major themes there was that technology is not about just giving a kid a laptop and some headphones and they sit alone and learn on their own. But Florida Virtual Schools was built a bit around this model of, right, I can be anywhere and I don't necessarily have to interact with other students to take a class. So how do you um, counteract that, right? We all went through it with COVID, right? Uh, we send the kids right. home and they're all you know, on a 
you know, a team call well, or whatever, right? And, um, and we could see that the lack of socialization had a huge impact. That's socialization is a human skill. We need to have socialization. So and I think I know what you're asking. Florida Virtual is the oldest and largest completely virtual school. And I think having the skills to learn virtually are 21st century skills and they are needed in Florida. Every student's required to take an online course. My own student, my own kids have taken online courses, uh, all three of them. And, you know, they thrive. It's a huge benefit. It doesn't mean you don't need the socialization. It just means that you can get some of your education in this online fashion. But counter to what a lot of people think, Florida Virtual is not click through. It is not you and a computer. You actually have to present to an educator. My uh, older daughter, uh, she had a closer relationship with her online professor, teacher, than she did with her in-person. Because when you were in person, it was still the old-fashioned lecture. When she was with her Florida virtual teachers, they got to know each other. They talked about what was going on in their lives. My daughter knew when she was taking vacation. She knew what my daughter was you know, going through, you know, a um, theater performance. So there was a connection way beyond the content material. And that's required, whether it's live or uh, live or virtual async or sync, either way. So socialization is, is always, always, always important. Uh, but I will say that some students during the pandemic actually learned better behind the computer. It gave them time to think. They weren't stressed about the other students sitting next to them. There was a lot of things that were better. Educators learned to use technology, and it became normal to have technology in the classroom. When you say, well, why did we have all this, this learning loss and this trauma? Let's not forget it was a pandemic, right? There was a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. And when I was at Florida Virtual, we took two months to train an educator from an in-person classroom to online. And what happened during the pandemic? Boom. You're now going virtual. You don't have your tools. You don't have your training. You don't even necessarily have the right space. But right. you're going to make it work somehow. No wonder the results were extremely variable. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I completely completely agree. So, um, and thank you for that explanation. That actually makes me feel better about it because I did an online master's degree and there was absolutely zero social. I never met mm. another student. I never had a direct conversation with a single faculty member. I got an then entire master's degree. No, well, it wasn't. And I honestly, I did it for the piece of paper because I wanted to teach. And I needed the master's degree in order to be able to continue teaching. And so uh, so I went through the program. It was the easiest way logistically for me at the time to, to get it. So I know we're running out of time. Um, last thing, I've heard you say, right, you're going to change the world. I offered to help, <laughs> right? So what do you want to see happen in the next five years, both in your control and out of your control, where do you want to see us be educators and education systems around the world? Where do you want to see us be in, in five years? So in the next five years, I, I hope we get closer to that vision I was talking about, the school of the future, where the educator is really concerned about uh, nurturing and growing the skills of the students in the classroom. And the, the education becomes more personalized and specific for what each student needs to learn, the pace they need to learn, that they can work outside of the classroom, inside, and that we really provide student agency, student-centered learning that helps every student 
develop their skills, reach their potential, and enable them to be a viable, thriving member of the workforce. And there's just there's so much that needs to happen in order to get there. You know, like we talk, we go back to data analytics. Our education organizations need to establish their foundation in the cloud for data and analytics, and then build upon that uh, these safe, safe learning environments that can leverage generative AI. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. I know you're super busy and traveling the world. So, all right. Thanks so much, Eric. Great thanks. connecting with you. Yes. Take all right. care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that did not disappoint. I've been looking forward to talking to Serena since I launched the podcast and realized that years ago I had worked with the brilliant woman who has gone on to do such incredible things and will undoubtedly continue to do amazing things that leverage technology to improve learning outcomes for students all over the world. I look forward to reading Serena's book and will let you know as soon as I hear that it's available. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe and share. You don't want to miss the awesome guests I have lined up with amazing stories of innovation in education. Please reach out if you have any comments or suggestions to improve the podcast. I'm Eric Byron. Thanks for listening to the Education Innovators podcast. And thanks to all those education innovators out there. We are changing the world for the better.